The midterm elections are right around the corner, and much is at stake in this election. But what you may not know is that this election, as so many others, will greatly impact women's health. Hi, I'm Dr. Mitzi Crockover. Welcome to Beyond the Paper Gown. Our goal is to focus on all the factors that impact on how we can achieve optimal health, whether it be the latest science, treatments, or new innovations, as well as barriers to our well-being, such as gender and racial bias, lack of research, or challenges to accessing care. One common thread that affects all of those factors is policy. The most obvious and current example is, of course, the overturn of Roe v. Wade through the Supreme Court's decision on Dobbs. This one decision has broad consequences, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, and it affects almost everyone in some way. It not only affected the ability for a woman to end a pregnancy, but it could, and in some situations, already affects privacy, individual rights, economics, and access to care. We covered these topics in our webinar, Aftershocks, and also made the information available in a series of four podcasts. I invite you to go to beyondthepapergown.com to learn more. You know, the reason I created the Aftershocks webinar was to underline the facts one policy decision can have and the importance of knowing what those implications could be. And I wanted to raise awareness that the way this decision ultimately came to be was because politicians got to choose the Supreme Court justices that made this decision. And then state elected officials took that decision and implemented their own policy decisions. So as you can see, voting matters. I'd also like to invite you to a webinar we're calling Putting Women's Health on the Ballot on October 26th, where I'll be discussing these issues with some incredible experts who'll shine even more light on how women's health is affected by policy which is ultimately affected by those we elect. You can find more information and register on our website at beyondthepapergown.com. To recap, policy decisions that are written, supported, or implemented by an elected official can affect our health, well-being, and socioeconomic status, no matter our party status. But it's not always evident, and those issues can get lost in the noise of the headlines and political rancor. But in fact, women's health is on the ballot in some obvious ways, but also some not-so-obvious ways as well. For example, many women feel exasperated when they go to the doctor with a complaint and either feel dismissed or dissatisfied with the answer. I honestly don't think doctors think women are crazy, but they may be inadequately trained or there just isn't the information needed to provide the answers to many conditions that women experience. Why is that? Because until 1994, there was no mandate to represent women or people of color in NIH clinical trials. What that means is that most medical research was done on the 70 kilogram or 150 pound, give or take, white male, mostly because males are much easier to study. No hormone fluctuations, no worry about unborn babies. You understand. But that male does not suffer from endometriosis, postpartum depression, nor experiences heart disease in the same way a woman does, or has osteoporosis at the same rate as a woman. So you can see why there are gaps in our knowledge and in medical training. What does that have to do with politics? That mandate that was put in place in 1994, 
That was a policy decision, as is the budget for research. So if there's no money allocated for research, those studies don't get done. Studies such as why our maternal mortality statistics are some of the worst in the world, with black women bearing the brunt of this failure of our health system. Studies to understand chronic conditions like fibroids and rheumatologic diseases, as well as the menopause transition. Along with research comes innovation. So many women over the past few years have turned their own health pain points into companies that provide solutions, and by doing so are helping others and also generating data that's sorely needed to make even more discoveries. Many of these entrepreneurs are supported by grants and funding by government agencies, as long as the legislation is there for them to be funded, of course. Unfortunately, a number of these companies face barriers when they bring their products to market because social media algorithms and even advertising policies may keep them from publicizing their products because they're promoting women's health, even though more explicit advertising for men's products goes unabated. Legislation is pending to create a more equal marketplace. And have you ever heard of a tampon tax? It's a sales tax that a state, county, or city government collects on menstrual products because they can be considered luxury items, not basic necessities. Access to care is also a policy decision that's provided or denied by legislation. Of course, abortion is the most obvious issue, but let's go a little deeper. Health insurance pretty much dictates who gets care and state legislation determines what services have to be covered by that insurance. Medicaid, for example, pays for health care for low-income women, for the most part, and finances about 4 in 10 births in the United States. Current law requires states to provide pregnancy-related Medicaid coverage through 60 days postpartum, but after that time, many women lose their coverage. However, the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 gives states the option to extend coverage to 12 months postpartum. Whether they take that option is up to the states. Another example of increasing access to care through insurance coverage is the Affordable Care Act, or ACA, that mandated that preventive services have to be covered, including the more effective modes of contraception. This actually reduced the numbers of abortion and increased the numbers of early-stage cancers that were diagnosed before they were more serious. The ACA also did away with the practice of insurance companies charging women more for health insurance. There are other examples of policy that have made an impact on women's health. For example, the MOMS Act is aimed at reducing pregnancy complications and death. The recently reauthorized Violence Against Women Act funds grant programs, and strengthens federal law to support first responders at all levels of the government in protecting women against assault and domestic violence. Title IX prohibits discrimination based on sex, pregnancy, or sexual orientation. When it was first enacted, Title IX increased women's participation in sports over 1,000%, improving female students' health and well-being. I could go on, but I think you get the picture. And so I invite, encourage, even urge you to ask questions of the candidates and elected officials about these issues that impact on women's health. Maybe they won't have an answer, but maybe you'll raise their consciousness just by asking the questions. And of course, vote. 
register if you haven't already done so and quickly. Know where you're going to vote, know what the restrictions and requirements are so that your vote gets counted. And follow us on social media for updates and more information in the coming days leading up to the elections. Women's health is on the ballot. I hope to see you at the webinar on October 26th. Thanks, as always, for listening. Our podcast is produced by Patrick Shambayati and me, and our associate producer is Kyla McMillian. Until next time, be well.